This podcast is part of the No Phony Podcast Network, the home of independent awesomeness. Can you tell us a little bit about that? No. Brother, if you weren't born in 1986, you weren't even a squirt on your parents' mind. (laughs) Friday the 13th, that hockey mask is known everywhere. Hey, everybody, welcome again to another edition of the Luxa Edition, the podcast where we dig into classic pop culture. My name is Bill Siebold, and I'm here, as always, with Mr. Casey Shearer. How are you, sir? Good, Bill. How are you? Good. I haven't seen you. A, I guess we've been off for about a week, week or two. We did yeah. an interview, but we just haven't had a chance to release the episode. Yep. Some personal things come up, and uh, it's just the way the, the world goes, but we're back. And uh, we actually were just talking before this. We might be taking another couple of weeks off here be, to get our studio set up before the new year. I'm excited. But it's going to be very cool. Yeah. Yeah. We got some good ideas playing there. Yeah. So uh, <clears throat> we have an interview today. CJ Graham from uh, Friday the 13th, part six, Jason Lives. But before we get into that interview, Bill... I want to uh, jump back in the time machine and talk about something that we talked about on a show previously. I think it might have actually been on the last show. You were saying about how I wear all the different T-shirts all the time. Right. Yep. And we, you were talking about a friend of yours with the uh, the Taco Bell T-shirt, the Rocky and Rocky and Bullwinkle shirt. You're telling me you have a Bullwinkle shirt? Well, I did a little research. And because it, it blew my mind as to why Rocky and Bullwinkle were the Taco Bell sponsors. Like it's still, I still haven't been able to figure that out. It hasn't made any sense to me, but it was in 1993 and you would have had to eat 40 tacos to get a t-shirt. Okay. 40 doesn't sound that crazy. Right. So you had to, you would have had to get a punch card yep. and uh, you, I think at 20 tacos, you could have got a hat, a painter's hat with the Rocky and Bullwinkle logo on it. Or you could wait until 2020. (laughs) (laughs) You just supermaned me. (laughs) And get it on eBay. You really found it? That's an actual shirt from 1993 from that campaign. It's uh, top notch. I don't even know if it's ever been worn. That was it. That was my friend Gary came walking in with the moose right on his chest. Oh, my God. There it is. And you didn't even have to eat any of those wretched tacos. Nope. I refused to eat a Taco Bell taco. Wow. Yeah, I have no idea why uh, why, why a moose and squirrel represented tacos, but they did for a hot minute. Uh, look at you, man. Your T-shirt game is on point. Uh, pretty cool, huh? You have other cool news. I do have other cool news. So CJ Graham is our guest today. He played Jason Voorhees. And uh, we've we've talked to Tommy McLaughlin. He was the writer and director of Part 6, CJ's uh, Jason. 
it seemed like that would be a really good exclamation point for that awesome interview with Tommy. I mean, I'm looking at our show. I'm like, people are going to think we just talk about Friday the 13th. No, we just really like this movie and this series, but this movie in particular. But yeah, it was cool having CJ on. Yeah, very cool. So then we also talked to uh, John Shepard. And in all of our interviews with the Friday the 13th people, we've talked about the fan films that are now being made because of the Friday the 13th lawsuit with Victor, no show, no call Miller. <laughs> right. Where are you, Victor? <laughs> We're still waiting for that call, Victor. Still haven't heard anything, Victor. <clears throat> but anyway, there's a new fan film being made called Roseblood. It's actually going to be a continuation of part seven. They're, they're pretending that none of the other movies happened and that this is going to be a continuation of part seven. Wait a minute. So this isn't a sequel to any of the ones that have already been made. I'm talking specifically about fan films, not actual Friday the 13th movies. Nope. This is just going to be a a continuation of part seven. So is Laura Park Lincoln in it? She played Tina who had the, the Carrie like telekinetic powers. Laura Park Lincoln will be in it. Oh, wow. So that's really interesting. Yeah, but so, it's not an official release. It's a fan film, and it's a sequel. It, it, Seven was a really, really good one. Wow, I'm really excited for this. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it seems like it's going to be pretty cool. And another uh, thing to get excited about is, so I joked, I joked with CJ. A little spoiler for our interview here with CJ. I joked about how if he ever reprises his role as Jason, that I could fill in for him as a stunt double. So for uh, Roseblood, they did a raffle. It was $79 for whatever reason. The raffle was $79. Maybe because they, I guess they filmed the first one in 79 and then was released in 80. Okay. So I signed up for a $79 raffle ticket to play one scene in Roseblood as Jason Voorhees. I won the raffle. You won the raffle. <laughs> Hold on a minute. <laughs> You're going to play Jason Voorhees for one scene in the new movie because you want a raffle? Yep. Do you know what the scene is? Like, are you killing somebody? Are you getting killed? It, I will be, yeah, it will be a kill scene. You're going to kill somebody. I mean, what? Yeah. All right. Are you going to be able to like videotape the whole thing? Like we could make a whole special round because I want to know like what a production feels like, what it's like to sit around all day and what it's like to film the scenes. Like I'm actually curious to get a firsthand, which you can tell from all the interviews we do. I'm always asking those kind of questions, but you can give me all the dirt. I'm going to try. I'm going to try to get, try to get a little dirt see what we can get. Do they know who's playing Jason? Like who are you doubling for? Is it one of the, is it, it's not CJ. He would have probably mentioned it. No, he was actually in Vengeance. His name is Jason Brooks. He played Jason uh, in Vengeance, the the other fan film. Yeah. Okay. Because Kane Hodder played it in seven, eight, and uh, and kept on going. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm not familiar with him. Yeah. But I remember Vengeance, and I remember thinking that Jason was pretty strong and pretty, uh, you know, well casted. So cool. Yeah, we're about the we're about the same uh, size. So he's got about three inches on me. Oh man, when do you when do you do this? Where is it? Like, 
It's tell me more. The only, the only thing I know is that it'll, that it's in Seattle. So I'll know more information in about two weeks a- after the new year. I'll know. I'll know a little bit more. But everything's taken care of. My flight, rental car, all that. So when I found the information out, when I got the news that I that I had won the uh, the raffle, you know, I asked the most important questions. Must I shave my beard? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and can I smoke weed? <laughs> because it's in Seattle, man. It's legal weed there. Sure. Yeah. So. You're going to be, you're going to be stoned, Jason. <laughs> you're going to be walking around with a machete, stoned, twirling it. Like you're going to lose a hand. You're just going to be stoned. <laughs> That's fantastic. You want to go over at Tom Scarrett's house while you're up there. <laughs> Show up visit, just like Jason. Visit Tom. Yeah, man. I'm I'm looking real I'm really looking forward to it. Oh, that's excellent, man. Congratulations. This is Thank the week you, of Casey. Nice. All right. Thank you. So you want to jump into the interview now with the uh with the actual man who played our favorite Jason? Yeah, CJ, I hadn't met him before. You know, sometimes we do this show and you have no idea what they're going to be like when they, uh, you know, get on the other end of the uh, phone or Zoom as we're we're using. I really enjoy just kind of sitting back and listening to CJ's stories. And, you know, he's he's a really fun guy. He, I really enjoyed this interview as well. Yeah, this was fun. And uh, before we get into it, I'll do just uh, some quick plugs here. You can check our website out. Bill revamped the website. You can go over there and uh, find out where we are just by going to our website. It's deluxeedition.show. And then uh, we're on the No Phony Podcast Network. Uh, A lot of big changes happening over there come the new year. And CJ plugs it in the interview, but his website, jason6.com, where you can get cool stuff like this. I ordered it. Uh, after the interview, <laughs> you are full of surprises today. So for the people who are listening and not watching, not to spoil it, but, but CJ does sell machetes, side machetes, and that's a real machete. Yeah. That's, oh my it's God. Sharp. How sharp that looks. <laughs> that's awesome. So yeah, it's, oh, that's great. Yeah. Pretty that's cool. Gonna have to be a prop for our new set, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's why I got it, man. Cool. It's it's not only mine, it's the shows. That's right. It belongs to the show. <laughs> so right. if we can make some money, it'll be a tax write-off. <laughs> well, Casey, before we get to the interview, I just want to do a quick commercial for somebody new that we're working with. And I think you're going to like this one a lot. So you and I are both Jay and Silent Bob fans. Did you know that they actually own a company that sells pre-rolls? Really? <laughs> yeah, it's not THC. It's, it's uh, CBD. And uh, we are now officially affiliates for Jay and Silent Bob pre-rolls. So I want to tell everybody who's interested in this product that if you go to JSB, Jay Silent Bob, JSBfree.com and try out their pre-rolls, 34% CBD, 5% CBGA, no THC in them. I mean, you can take them, tear them up and mix them with your, with your weed if that's how you prefer. But, um, you know, you can just also smoke these just the way they come. And honestly, I've tried a lot of CBD products and they never really felt like anything to the point where I'm kind of going, I'm not sure most of these people are telling the truth about how much CBD is in a product or CBD doesn't do shit. 
However, I did enjoy these because they did show up. Uh, I got a few coming to you as well. And yeah, there's definitely a nice little, you know, relaxing sort of buzz on them. So for everybody listening, if you want to give these a try, they're actually giving them away for free with the exception of the cost of shipping, which is only $5. So listeners of our show can go to jsbfree.com, check out with the code DELUXE, and you'll only have to spend $5 and you'll get three pre-rolls to sample. And I definitely think, you know, give it a shot. This is if this is your bag and you like these kind of, uh, what, are we, what are these? Like, uh, is this a bad habit? Maybe. I don't know. Like, what are we, <laughs> when people were smoking or drinking, like everyone's like, yeah, it's a, an indiscretion. I don't know what the word I'm looking for, but these days it's like, this kind of stuff isn't really looked down upon anymore. No. I, yeah. I don't think so. Not at all. It's a Be medicine, a, bro. It's a yeah, Sure. Sure. We take it for anxiety. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to trying mine. Well, you'll have it any day now. And everybody else, go to jsbfree.com, jsbfree.com with the keyword deluxe, and you can have yours as well. So that's it. Why don't we jump into the interview? Sounds good, brother. Oh, look at that. Yeah, that's <laughs> look at that. That's, that's a background. Yeah. How you guys doing? Good man. Good, how are you? good, good. Look at that room. You know, you you scared the shit out of me one time. We were uh I was at a Frightmare in Dallas. Oh yeah, nice show. Everybody had reunited, everybody had their their costumes. Yeah, two years ago. Yeah. And I was snooping around and you were dressed and I walked right into you. And I gotta admit, it scared the shit out of me. I knew it was a costume. I knew it was you, and I was like, that is imposing. That is a scary costume. Yeah, it it you know, I was, I'm very fortunate, you know, part six and my natural frame, as you saw, it's the same. I'm, I think I weigh 250 right now, I weigh 243 when I did the movie. So I don't think there's much of a difference. Maybe my, my left foot might be a little bigger now. Other than that, you know, I'm the same physical standing person that I was back then. So long as I can fit into the wardrobe and yeah, keep that waist down below a 36, you know, I can do the job. That's great. Yeah, we, we talked to Tommy, what was it, a couple of weeks ago, I guess, Casey. So it's really nice that we're getting to, to talk to you as well. So the way that our show works, if you're not familiar, we have fan questions. Everybody has submitted things. Casey's going to read those. I jump in once in a while and, and try to, you know, pull a little bit more out where I can. It's real simple. My name is CJ Graham, and I approve this message. <laughs> Very good. Very yeah, good. I might run for Congress or something the way things are going. So I got I got this. All right, go cool. <laughs> <laughs> is the the costume behind you? Is that official? Is that what you wore in the movie? No, that's a that's a replica, and it just happens to be something in my background. Um, as you can see, my right shoulder, and then you can see my military uniform when I got out of the military about forty six years ago. Then I used to be an executive vice president for the Palms Resort Casino. I ran the the casino operations and the Playboy Club. Wow! How did you make the transition from that gig to killing people? Well, I went from uh, actually being a dealer in Reno, Nevada, wearing a pink shirt back in the early 80s to Los Angeles to run nightclubs and then into the homicidal killer and then went back into Las Vegas to count the bodies up there in the desert and then just stayed. That's awesome. All right, Casey, you ready to kick off? All right. So we got a bunch of the same uh, questions here from a lot of uh, a lot of people want to know what is your favorite kill in your part six movie? 
Well, my my kill that I like the most is the sheriff. And and Casey, the reason for that is there's no blood, there's no guts. It's just pure friggin' strength. I mean, if you could just take an arm and pull it out of a socket, detach it, flip a body like you know a turkey breast and just crush it. To me, that's more terrifying than a bunch of blood. Blood is great, but it's a special effect. But the power it would take to break something in half—that's pretty tremendous. Absolutely. When we spoke to Tom, we were getting down to the um, the understanding of his idea of bringing Jason back kind of as a Frankenstein monster. Did he say to you, hey, you have superhuman powers, you're stronger than you've ever been? Or was it just kind of like, we're just going to go with it and, and make it up as we sort of go? No, Tom was very meticulous. Tom is, uh, you know, just an exceptional writer, director. And I, knowing nothing whatsoever, you have to remember, and you can ask this question later, I had never done an acting gig or a stunt in my life when I stepped on that set. So Tom took a tremendous chance with me, number one, but he was very clear. Both Tom and I love the universal horror movies and the old Frankenstein that comes back to life uh, is really what he was trying to create. Now that person is non-stoppable, back to breaking the sheriff's back, yet... The brain cells are connecting. So there's some connectivity and some curiosity, as you may recall with the scene with the little girl inside the cabin. I didn't even make that connection that that was a a, a Frankenstein sort of uh, callback. And, and when Tommy told us that, I was like, oh, my God, I've known this movie for 30 years inside and out longer, baby. I don't even know. How old is the movie at this point? Older when did it come out? Mid-80s? Older than you. It must. Yeah, it is. It because is. I remember. Yeah. Brother, if you weren't born in 1986, you weren't even a squirt on your parents' mind. <laughs> I do but, remember stayed up, stayed up late. I will tell life. you, I'm humbly appreciative that three decades later that myself and Tom, Tom Matthews, and we're all being considered an iconic legends of just what we've done. So, you know what? I got to really say humbly, gosh, it's it's a pleasure. It really is. That's great. I mean, when you were doing it, you you knew that Friday the 13th was a popular franchise. Has it become more popular than when the movie came out? Yes. And, you know, at the time, it was really the turning point for the Friday the 13th franchise. Uh, if you go back and look at it, up to that point, Jason was just a character. And then at that point, Jason became the principal. Everybody going forward want to know what Jason was going to do, not what a camp counselor was going to be. They were going to say, okay, what's Jason's next move? So Tom really put very quietly in a very smooth way, put Jason at the forefront in part six. Speaking of Tom, a lot of people also asked, uh, we all know that you were in vengeance with Tom. Uh, if you were asked, would you be, would you be in a fan film as Jason? You know, I don't know, yes or no, it's kind of an open question, just like Vengeance coming back to me and asking me if I do Bloodline. I'd look at the options, you know, there's got to be something for everybody in it. I don't want to go to Mars. Uh, I don't want to do a part where I can't perform well. I don't want to be a has-been if I was to do it. Now, when I did Elias Voorhees, it was my own character. And if you take a look at it, I mean, that's my beard. I grew it out for four months they put me in a stringy wig, so I looked like a Viking, basically. But I still have the same structure and size. The gentleman that they put against me, uh, Jason Brooks, is of my size characteristically. So when we face off, I mean, it's just perfect. It's just like you would be squaring off with your father and having words and disagreement. 
All right, so before we get into the, the rest of the fan questions, I have a fan question of my own, and it's probably the only question that uh, doesn't have to deal with Friday the 13th. Uh, do you have any good stories about working with the Stillers on Highway to Hell? You know, interesting enough, you know, most people don't realize that I played Hellcop. Unfortunately, Hellcop was a, it's become a cult more so, but it's because people are just finding out about it you know, 30 years later, unfortunately, when we did that film, the company bankruptcy before the full distribution to the theaters went out. So it sat on the shelves of MGM and Universal until they bought the library. And then there was a distribution a few years ago. But it's funny because people say, hey, you know, Ben Stiller, he had like about six seconds in it. And what does he get now? About 20 million a film. And his mother and father, bless their hearts, they were in it. And I believe, don't quote me, but I think his sister's in it also with a small cameo. Yeah, his sister. Yeah, I just watched it uh, last night. And you know what? It was a great character. Um, you know, you have uh, Chad Lowe, Rob Lowe's younger brother. You have Christy Swanson, Buffy and the Vampire, Lita Ford, the rock and roll singer. Uh, you guys remember the first first Predator out there? There was an extremely tall man playing the Predator. He has actually got a small part in the boat. Uh, taking the people across to hell. And then, of course, Patrick Bergen, who played the devil, who played opposite of Julia Roberts in Sleeping with the Enemy. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty entertaining. Yeah, it, it had a lot, a pretty good cast. It's just unfortunate distribution-wise. And it's funny, I still have the actual black and white movie posters that were supposed to go out distribution to the theaters back in about 1990-91. Did you start your career as a stuntman? No, as I said earlier in the in the broadcast, I had never done a stunt in my life. I had never done acting in my life. I was just a guy off the street, seriously. I was a big guy running a nightclub as a general manager, met some people. They said, hey, we're going to cast you as Jason, and the rest is history. And when I stepped on the screen, it was the first time I'd ever done anything of that magnitude. Tom uh, McLaughlin had me tap Hartley into the SAG union, uh, which I didn't even know what that meant at the time. And uh, as soon as I put the costume on for the very first scene, that was the first time I had ever been even in a film or even thought about a film, let alone doing all my own stunts that I'd never done in my life. Wow. When you wore the makeup, were you always in makeup? Did they, did they come in and always do the makeup and then put the mask on it? Or were you basically not covered in the front? At the very beginning, well, remember, a movie shot out of sequence. At the beginning where I'm in the grave, that's a full prosthetic. It took time, and it's uh, it's very time-consuming. Once we got the hockey mask on in different scenes, the front was cut out. It was still a complete prosthetic hood uh, that was pulled over me, and then they'd black out my eye, and the mask would come over it. The scenes that became stunt scenes where I was holding on or taking a knife to Tom Finley's head or taking Darcy's face and throwing it into a camera. Uh, I took the mask off because it was a close-up POV point of view from my hands taking that head and putting it into a camera lens. Uh, but everywhere else, when I was going through the door, going through the wall, fighting underwater, being set on fire, the mask was on. So pretty much all you have is one eye and one eye is blocked out and you have a little peripheral vision. Other than that, you're somewhat blind. All right, so uh, let's get into our fan questions here. 
We got a lot of questions from our fans on Reddit. Well, the Friday the 13th uh, fans on Reddit. So here's one from Jason Todd Voorhees. Uh, he would like to know uh, if Tom McLaughlin does get his Jason Never Dies uh, story greenlit and you're offered the role of Jason, uh, would you play Jason again in Tom's movie? Well, you know, I had this conversation with Tom about the last year and a half. He's written a new script. He is working diligently to work with Mr. Cunningham, Mr. Miller to do Friday the 13th, part 13. And he has put it out there uh, on podcasts that he would like for me to step up and play the role again. He has seen me as you have in the wardrobe in the last two years and uh, it's basically a turn of the switch. It's no different than 1986 when I put the wardrobe on. So the answer would be I would entertain it, guys, but for clarification, I don't want to do a goofy script. I'm not an expert, but I really don't want to go to Mars is what I'm trying to say. So I want the script to be something that I can look at and be proud of as part six. So I'm not worried about that because Tom McLaughlin is a great writer and a great director. But again, more importantly, I want to make sure that I can deliver you, the fans, a product of quality as good as part six as Jason or better. Now, physicality wise, you know, when you get older, you know, when you're young, you tuck and roll when you hit the ground. When you're older, you go thump. <laughs> so I want to make sure that, you number one, I'd probably be wearing a lot of football tape, to be honest, on my knees and ankles. Uh, but if I could do it and deliver a great product, as good or better than I would entertain the options. However, if I couldn't deliver to the fans what I did in part six, I don't want to be a has-been that came back, stepped on a screen and embarrassed myself, let alone the franchise. Well, we'd love to see you again in uh, Tom's movie. And you say about uh, taking the thumps. I think you and I are about the same size. I could, I could, we could talk to uh, Tom. I think we're pretty good friends with Tom. I'll come in and do the stunts for you. Hey, you know, I mean, the way I look at it is, and I mean that res respectfully, um, if there's some stunts I can't do, I wouldn't be able to do them. But if I could do the majority uh, reasonably, I would more than happily. But I really would like to be able to do them all as I did in part six to say, hey, I did every one of them. I think there's a way to get through it, but I think it's just a matter of, you know, a little bit more magic, uh, movie magic, and maybe me, yes, I'm still in good shape. Yes, you know, I'm still solid and thought, you know, but I, I, I go ahead and put a three, four months into the gym, back and forth, treadmills, and get myself where I feel tight. Like I say, if I keep myself under a 36 waist like I do, uh, I might drop to a 34 just because that's where I was when I did it. But as far as chest, arms, and stuff, you know, I'm the same figure as I was, but I would like to at least make sure that I deliver a good product, guys. Otherwise, I'm going to put you in there and let them beat the crap out of you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. So uh, let's see. Michael Jimenez would like to know, what was your least favorite scene to shoot? Well, Michael, it, it really wasn't least because I was so in awe about the whole experience that I was a BA. You know, I had a bad attitude. I can do anything. You know, I'm 20 something. I've been in the military, et cetera. I mean, hey, I got this. So there was no bad experience. However, I will tell you that the, the more challenging was uh, 20 feet underwater in an Olympic-sized swimming pool, chained down, physically chained down, and signaling for safety divers to come in and give me oxygen when I ran out of oxygen during the fight scenes because there was no way that I was going to unhook a chain completely 
and get to the surface that was 20 feet up. I mean, once I signaled, I was out of air. I was at their mercy to come in. They'd lift the mask up and physically put a regulator in my mouth and clear it for me so that I wouldn't have to think. And I'd get the oxygen. I'd take a few deep breaths. And then periodically, they'd unchain me. I'd go to the top and look at a small monitor that Tom had, and we'd talk about the fight scene. And then they'd take me back down, chain me up again, and we'd do some more fight scenes. Now, the only way you know that you're in action is you could hear the camera ticking underwater. So I don't know if it was, but it was cold. I'll put it that way. But I, I still thought I was a BA. I, was, I had a bad attitude. So I was like, yeah, I can do this. So I, I don't know if I had a bad experience per se, but I, I'll tell you right now, that was a challenging experience. Did Tom ever give you anything to do that you said, shit, I really don't want to do this one? Nope. So even the fire, everything was was no fear. Hey, wow. when you have a BA, you know, you got a bad attitude. You're 28, 27 get out of my way. <laughs> so, and you know what? I had a great stunt coordinator, Michael Nomad. And he talked to me every time we're going to set you on fire. We're going to gel you up on your back. This is what you're going to feel. This is how long you've got until you really are burning. So don't freak. But I'll tell you when you've got a hockey mask on and you see flame coming over the front, <laughs> you're kind of going, how much am I getting paid to do this? You know I mean? <laughs> because it is a new experience, but you do have, you have to have confidence in the people around you. Uh, as soon as you let fear take over, no matter what you do in life, they win, you lose. So, you know, I'm not saying that's the only choice, but at the same time, I was pretty confident of my ability, but more confident of the people around me. So you answered uh, one of our fan questions from Dan Hall about the, uh, so you were the, you were underwater in those scenes. Yeah. Well, Dan, let me put it this way. So you understand how this works. The water scenes are shot in completely different sequence. Now, when you see me, Dan, going out to the water in the boat with Tommy, uh, that's shot in Covington, Georgia. That's a stagnant lake, uh, you know, that I had to walk into in the middle of the night and not knowing what, what even looked like in the daytime, go underwater, then basically dunk myself to look like I went all the way under, hold my breath, and then come back up. Then when you see me fighting, with the scene with Tommy and I'm on fire that was done in a pool in Los Angeles. Then when you see me underwater, you breathing off regulators, that's a 20 foot diving pool in Los Angeles. And then the scene where you see Jason's mask get ripped by the propeller that was done in Tom McLaughlin's mother and father's backyard pool. So four different water to do that scene. Wow. It's a lot of traveling around. Yeah. How long did it take to film the movie? Approximately eight weeks, give or take, on both sides. Uh, when we got back to Los Angeles, uh, my understanding from Tom McLaughlin is all of a sudden we had extra money. And uh, Frank Mancuso said, go back out and do some more kills. So we added three more kills, and that was done in Griffin Park. Cool. Yeah, Tommy told us the story about uh, him asking his dad about uh, using the pool. Yeah, my understanding is he went down and got the guts and everything, uh, and then he had to clean the pool after it was done. Do you have to be in makeup every day for those eight weeks, or is it certain days that you're on set in makeup and the rest you just have to hang out and watch the production? Yeah, you're not in makeup every single day. You may be on call two, three days in a row, then you may have two days off, maybe even three days off, and then you're back on set. Uh, but the times you're there, you're in makeup because, you know, Jason's in makeup on wardrobe wearing a hockey mask. <laughs> All right. So uh, let's see. Sebastian Fuchs 
Jr. would like to know, uh, what was your favorite part of shooting the movie? My very favorite scene, Sebastian, was the very first scene. That's the first scene where I put the wardrobe on and stepped onto the to um, the set for the first time. And that's the scene where you see me step on in profile. And then you see the motorhome behind me rocking. And I turn and look at it and tilt my head a little bit of curiosity. And I start marching towards the motorhome. And to me, that's my favorite scene, Sebastian, because that's when I just realized, hey, I'm in a movie. <laughs> Very cool. The tilting your head, I know that's a really subtle kind of thing, but that became like a Jason-type trademark. Like, there's these cute little moments. It's very – and and Tom taught me it's just a quarter inch because it carries over to the camera lens so heavily that it's just a small tilt, just enough to give a curiosity factor. You have to realize a lot of people don't understand wearing a hockey mask, oh, you didn't talk, you didn't do anything. Well, I challenge anybody – to stand in front of a mirror, put a hockey mask on, and or a sock over your head, and I want you to show power, fear, anger, frustration, curiosity, but you can't use your voice, can't use your eyebrows, you can't use your your facial expressions for anything. It's not that easy. <laughs> this is a question I'm surprised we didn't get when we talked to Tom from Eric Mercer. Whose decision was it to make Jason wear the utility belt and gloves? Well, it wasn't mine. Um, It was Tom's. And some of it is because of the very beginning, uh, when you see my hands, that's a lot of cosmetics and a lot of uh, stuff. Once I come out of the grave, it simplified the process to wear the gloves. But here's another way of looking at it. I get to be in part six. I'm the only Jason that has a James Bond opening. I'm the only Jason that comes back to life like Frankenstein. I'm the only Jason that gets to have a rock and roll Hall of Famer, Mr. Alice Cooper, do the music. And to your question, I'm the only Jason that gets to wear a Batman utility belt. <laughs> All right. So I hope that answers that question. Bill Bill said uh, in our other episodes, like, you're the Jason that everybody remembers, right, Bill? Well, like, yeah, I mean, the way I kind of saw it, he was a real just guy that could take a lot of pain. But he didn't get scary to me until you did it. When you did it, it was like, okay, this unstoppable creature, like, now it's a whole new level of, holy shit, how are we going to get out of this one? So, yeah, my, my absolute love of the franchise started because of your film. And I was, you know, again, very fortunate, um, luck involved. Uh, you know, I spent some years in the, in the military and I had this natural, physical, authoritative walk. And when you are 6'3", 243, 6'4", you know what? I mean, um, you do walk into a room and unfortunately you get noticed, good, bad, or indifferent. So once I put the wardrobe on and I was told just, you know, One thing you have to remember also, when you're wearing that hockey mask, you have one eye, you can't see well. So when you march, when you put your feet out and you plant each foot, you really do plant them because you can't see your feet. You can't see your knees, but you can see four feet in front of you. So when you put that first foot out, you plant it before you take the next one. So that adds to your structure of how you're walking. That makes sense. Yeah. So when we post these uh, or when I post about the fan questions, I usually post a picture of our guest and I posted a picture of you on a motorcycle and uh, our good friend Mike Zellner would like to know whose motorcycle is that and uh, who built it. Okay, well, it's my motorcycle. I have a couple of them. I have the one that 
you see me, I think it's in front of the tattoo parlor with tattoos on my arms. Uh, it's a big dog. Uh, it's a chopper. It's got a 117 engine, six-speed uh, six transmission, and a 260 rear tire. The actual custom paint job was done by a guy out of Chicago, uh, and he did all the airbrushing to it. In fact, it was so good and done so well that um, I got an opportunity to put in a show called SEMA in Las Vegas. It's a car show. And Danny, who uh, does Danny's uh, customs uh, on the TV program, Count Customs, Danny Customs, basically, uh, it was next to his bike at the SEMA show. So I also put in a show in uh, Lake Havasu in Arizona and got first prize for a custom bike. I also have another one that's just a regular Harley, you know, with eight hangers, and it's pretty natural compared to that one. But that's my scooter, just, you know, one of my horses, I call it. <laughs> Very cool. You you mentioned about how, sort of how you got the role for Jason. You want, Can you tell us a little bit about that? No. No, just kidding. <laughs> uh, I was the general manager of a nightclub in Los Angeles. I had a hypnotist on Thursday nights. The hypnotist decided to bring a production company in to shoot his act so he could put a tape together for future bookings, maybe Las Vegas, etc. Just happens that the people he brought in were called Real Effects. Real Effects just happened to be the special effects company that did the special effects on part four with Ted White. So when they came in, they were talking to the hypnotist and said, well, why don't we do like a Jason scene coming through the screen and scare the subjects on, on the stage? And, you know, they looked at me and said, let's put CJ in the wardrobe. You know, his big butt will fill it out. We've got the wardrobe from Ted White. And the rest is history because they said, hey, they were just in shock of my structure. As you said, Bill, when you ran into me, it was like it did. It's like, okay, I get it now. It's it's, it's unpredictable. Well, it just happens that I thought they were kidding, of course, didn't think anything of it. And a few months later, I got a call to meet them, meet the stunt coordinator, the director, Paramount Studios, Frank Mancuso Jr., and again, the rest is history. So someone from the production was just at and at the show and saw you as Jason? Yes. So the Real Effects, R-E-E-L, Real Effects, did all the special effects on part four. They also had a production company of their own that they were going to shoot the Hypnotist show. And those folks just noticed me because they had done the special effects for Ted White in the wardrobe and they saw me up there on that screen at stage and they were just in awe about my structure, basically how I took a position and paused. And that was what they were looking for. And part six came my way and just kept going after that. Wow. Just right place at the right time. Yeah. And I, I mean this sincerely guys. I mean, sometimes luck is involved, but luck only gets you so far. Then you got to perform. Sure. Well, that leads me into our next uh, fan question here. Grassy NH would like to know, what did you like better, scaring hypnotized people or uh, playing Jason in a real movie? Uh, actually scaring my neighbors in the current today because everybody around me knows <laughs> I'm Jason, and it's kind of like the ongoing don't mess with the guy on the top of the hill. That's Jason. So uh, it really was a, an incredible experience. To answer his question, I mean, there's no no way to look at the difference. I mean, you're playing a role that a, on a stage is just what it was, but doing the actual film three decades later, be having this conversation, having a legion of fans out there worldwide, it's pretty humbling. Are you friendly with the other actors? 
Fortunately, yes, we get a chance. Uh, I retired about three and a half years ago from running casino resorts. I was a chief operating officer over a couple of casinos and a general manager. And when I stepped away and decided to retire, um, it gave me more opportunity to do conventions. So I've had more opportunity to see everybody. Uh, Tom Matthews, I see him once a year. I, I talk to him and his lovely wife, Carla, on a regular basis, see how they're doing. And uh, Derek Mears, you know, he got married a couple of years ago. And, you know, I see him, Kane Hodder, you know, every few months, him and I see each other at a convention. Uh, and some of the other actors from specifically my show, you know, Darcy, I run into her periodically, and Vinny and his wife, Cynthia. So I do see them here and there. And then the last couple of years, I've had an opportunity to do a couple shows with Alice Cooper. And uh, the cool thing about that is I put the wardrobe on and the fans get to take a picture with me and Alice Cooper and they're in the middle. That's cool. Very cool. Kevin Bedard would like to know, uh, were you asked to come back as uh, Jason in part seven? Yes, I was uh, slotted to do part seven. Kane Hodder will tell it, you know, he's, he's said it. I mean, Paramount Studios was satisfied when John was putting the script together Kane had worked with John before, the writer-director, and Kane is a huge horror fan, so he went to John, and John had to go to Paramount Studios to Frank Mancuso, Frank Mancuso to make that official change and make it, even though there was a satisfaction, I got to look at it two ways. That's good for Kane. He did four of them. Kane has been a great ambassador for the series. That man is out every weekend at a convention worldwide doing things to promote Friday the 13th over the last you know, two decades. I don't know if I'd have had that kind of commitment that he has. So I think positively from an ambassador perspective, he's been a great, great uh, ambassador for the series. So I just, all I can say is kudos. And I never took it offensively at the time. So it, it still doesn't offend me one way or another. I've had a great career uh, as a, an executive running casino resorts. Sure. All right. Getting back into the, the stunt work, Thomas Smythe would like to know, were those real maggots on you and uh how did it make you feel if they were okay they were real maggots thomas but i didn't have to do that one i was on set doing a a job and then they do what's called second unit work thomas and it just happens they were waiting to do the second unit and they were waiting for me to get off set well christopher swift who did all my special effects uh, just, you know, he's got a green eye like me. He said, well, I'll put, I'll put the makeup on. So they put the makeup around his eyeball. They threw the maggots on Chris. And then they had what's called a maggot wrangler with a Q-tip, keeping him out of his eye while they shot that scene. So I got to give kudos to Chris for doing that. Uh, you know, I mean, I was slotted to do it, but you know what, if you got it done, thank you very much. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Have uh, No, no, thanks. <laughs> Adam Hatcher would like to know, did you have the freedom to, to do your own take on Jason or did Tommy have specific things that you could or couldn't do? No, Adam, to be fair, Tom really gave me carte blanche to do what I had to do. He kind of told me what he was looking for. We both appreciated Universal movies back those days and uh, we had a very similar take on the character structure. Um, a lot of it was very natural, you know, for me, just everything I was doing. I'm a big guy. So Tom didn't say yes, no, maybe he would just say, just take that machete and swing it as hard as you can into that pole and cut that wire. And that's exactly what I did. I take that machete, I hit that wire uh, on that four by four and uh, it stuck. <laughs> you know, there are a lot of things that they didn't expect. I'll give you an example. 
there's a scene with the Volkswagen. Now, that's a real window. There's no breakaway window. That's a Volkswagen window, and that's a real spear. Question was, CJ, can you break the window with the spear? What do you think? I said, I think I can do it. So Tom said, okay, let's do a couple shots and see if CJ can just break it through. Otherwise, we'll put a fake window in. Well, it's a real window. First one, slash, bang, you know, it's over. That's kind of the power that went through it. When you see that, when you see that spear going into the fender well, same concept. Well, do you think, well, yeah, let's do it. And again, when you've got a spear that big in your arms and you got a 245-pound guy wheeling it, it went right through nice and clear. Nice. All right. So uh, Nick, main man, would like to know, uh, do you have any funny, interesting, or spooky stories from filming at Camp Daniel Morgan? Well, my main man, here's what I have to say about that. The only thing I was a little flustered about is when I talked earlier in this uh, broadcast about the stagnant lake, uh, I didn't realize that we nobody told me about the water moccasins or the leeches. You know, so I'm out there in the middle of the night walking around like I'm a badass. And when I get out, the first thing I do is go to the shower and they want to look for leeches to make sure I didn't pick any up. So I didn't know going in. I probably would have thought about it because I, I may be a BA, but I, I might have thought about that. So I think it's better that I didn't know. Uh, but I always wondered about, you know, trying to find a leech on my body. What if it was in the wrong place? <laughs> we talked to Tom about the, uh, the the lake that has the the replica, the Jason replica tied down deep. It's your Jason. Have you ever been to that lake? No. How badass would it be? You've got to swim down there and do a picture with it. Yeah, I, I understand. I believe it's in Michigan. Don't quote me. And there was one in Arizona that they took out, I believe, up there at one of the lakes. And it was, I guess it was spooking people too badly. But yeah, again, I'm very fortunate because you have to realize that part six, Jason ends up at the bottom of the lake. Part seven, Jason starts at the bottom of the lake. So there is some substance to being chained down at the bottom of the lake. Again, humbly appreciative that the fans think that much of me. Did you stay at the uh, camp during filming? We actually stayed a little ways away from it, uh, not far, a few miles. Uh, there was a small hotel we just basically took over. Okay. How many people total are on a production like that? It varies. It varies in size because daily there can be changes. But your wardrobe, your production, your transportation are there 24-7. Your actors are coming and going on a regular basis. So you may have five actors on a, on a, a scene at one time. You may have ten like all those kids, you know, what do we have, 30 at one time? So there's variables in that number of how many people are on location at one point. I'll probably uh, butcher this. Jorge Santillian uh, would like to know, do you know where the screen-used mask from Part 6 is? Jorge's, yes, I do. I'm looking at one right now from the opening scene on my wall, number one. I had two. I sold one many years ago, and the rest have just kind of, went out there. Um, I did see one come across the table that I autographed about 10 years ago. And the reason I know is I know where they were marked. Uh, and it just happened to be one of the ones they used in one of the scenes. But I know for a fact where one is right now, I'm looking at it. It looks pretty good. <laughs> That's awesome. Very cool. So how many, uh, how many different masks were there during the filming? Is it just because of the different marks that, that 
Happened. Yeah, there were give or take 13 of them. And the reason I used that number is because uh, Christopher Swift, Real Effects are the ones that did them. But as you just indicated, the scene's variable as far as changing. Uh, the 357 hole doesn't come in until after the sheriff caps me. Uh, but then there's blood before, but then there's blood after when I pop the, uh, when I pop the officer's head. And the blood splats. But then you go in the water, and now the blood starts to change and come off. So each one has a different variable in it. Uh, and don't forget, before it even gets all scratched up or dirty or muddy, uh, Tom has it in his hand in the front of a truck. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's see. I wasn't really sure about this uh, question. Maybe maybe you'll know uh, better. Jason Wolston would like to know, which band is better, the Lone Rangers or Steel Dragon? Does that, does that mean anything to you? Well, they're both bands. In fact, you know, if I understand Jason's question, the Steel Dragon, isn't that on a movie, Rockstar, if I remember correctly? They're called the Steel Dragons. Uh, I think Mark Wahlberg is in that one, if he's talking about the Steel Dragons that I'm thinking of. So I think Rockstar, that was a good movie. (laughs) Hey, I got an answer. I tried. All right. Uh, All right. So we got a few more here for, for you. Anthony Brewster says, uh, what do you think of the fan-made movies? Anthony, I think the fan-made uh, fan films are, are very appreciative by people like me. Um, it's been 10 years, Anthony, to be fair, since a major production came out, and that the fans are that responsible and very creative to go out there and put a film together like Vengeance, Never Hike Alone, or a couple, and there are others, uh, kudos to them. You have to remember in today's technology, uh, shooting a film from a cost perspective is completely different uh, unless you start getting into digitally and start using your computers and it's different effects. But a, a Jason movie, if you think about it, is really simplistic. It is a barn, a Jason, a hockey mask, some stunts that most people could do, and a lot of red paint, to be quite honest. You know, you can just about do anything with a syringe and red paint. So I think there's been some really good creative ones. And those people one day uh, may be the one shoot the next Friday the 13th. It may not be part 13, but it might be part 15. Sure. All right. So just a couple more here. A uh, bunch of people want to know, do you have any, uh, I know with the COVID going on, there's uh, not a lot going on, but do you have any con appearances scheduled for 2021? 2021 is already moving forward. Um, yes. In fact, uh, I do have a Facebook you can look at. Right now, the first one in 2021 is going to be Days of the Dead, Atlanta, Georgia, the last weekend of February. And then they go after that. Monster Mania is having one next year at Cherry Hill. Texas Fright Mirror is already on the boards for next year. Uh, so, yes, there are some coming up. I have about eight of them scheduled. Uh, Midwest Horror uh, is already scheduled. So everybody's starting to promote next year in anticipation that, you know, we'll get some good news with the COVID-19. I think practicing what we do will be for quite a while regardless. Uh, I did do two this year. I did one about four months ago in Vegas, and everybody was great about wearing masks. The fans stayed six feet back. We took pictures wearing masks. Everybody kept very clean. They were checking temperatures at the front door of the hotel, temperatures coming into the convention. So we we got to maintain that that purity that we can. But yes, right now they're 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 booking shows next year 
Um, I would be surprised if I don't do eight or 10 next year. Great. <clears throat> All right. So our last fan question here is from Ethan Hussein. He would like to know, how has the movie changed your life? Ethan, I mean, humbly speaking, here we are three decades later talking about it. I mean, what an honor, number one. Um, you know, one thing you learn about being in the military, and I was in the military 46 years ago, so yes, I'm old. Um, but you learn about honor and integrity. And I'm honored to have done a job that everybody thinks I did well and is happy with my production. We'll see what happens going forward. I'm shocked. I'll give an example. There's about 1.3 billion people in India. And if I took a picture over there, an 8 by 10 and showed a picture of Tom Cruise, they'd all say, Tom Cruise. If I took a picture of C.J. Graham, they'd shrug their shoulders. However, if you turn it over with a hockey mask at Friday the 13th, they go, Jason. Interesting fact that it is a worldwide phenomenon. Friday the 13th, that hockey mask is known everywhere. And though they may not know who I am down at the steakhouse having dinner tonight at the Outback, but I'll tell you right now, as soon as one person finds out, it goes through the whole restaurant very quickly that Jason's here having dinner, which, again, humbly appreciative that three decades later we're having this conversation. I'm shocked. I'm honored. And I do appreciate the fan base very much. I tell you, if I was you, I'd be walking to every restaurant. First thing I'd say, I'm Jason. No. I got it. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if that'll work at a bar for a pickup line, but, I, you know, yeah, I uh, I don't know about that one, but it is surprising how many people know. True story. Uh, recently, I went down to Walmart, and the young man brought out 10 machetes for me because I had to purchase some machetes. Uh, and he came walking out, and, you know, we have our mask on. I'm like, ah, oh, we're having a Friday the 13th party. That's all I said. Oh, man, I love Friday the 13th. And I'm walking out with him to get to past security. And all of a sudden, he put two and two together because he knew my name, C.J. Graham, because I had to show my ID to pick up the prepaid machetes. He just sat there and went, oh, God, oh, God. You're C.J. Yeah. Oh, and, and for me, it was like, what a nice experience. This man is probably 20. And for him, it was, you know, an out-of-body experience. For me, it was just another day going to the store to pick something up. But it just happened to be that the machetes I needed, I needed some, you know. Um, people buy them on my website, jason6.com, and they, they asked me to send machetes, hockey masks, and 8 by 10 autographed photos, especially in 2020 because of the conventions being closed down. Uh, so, you know, sometimes I got to buy extra machetes, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I got I got one order right now on my desk that I got to get signed in a eight by ten of the fire burn and get them out on Monday to a young lady in South Carolina. That's great. Well, thank you very much, CJ, for doing our show. I think that was it for questions. Um, you just mentioned Jason6.com. Where else can your fans find you? Well, anybody can just Google CJ Graham and in the top five listings, you'll see everything about me. One of them just says JasonVoryStore.com. It'll say it's CJ's personal website. And you can click on it and go through the photos and see if there's anything you want. Um, and all you do is just go through PayPal and very simple. But hopefully I'll see them at the conventions next year. Um, these conventions have taken on a complete uh, new aura, if you think about it. It used to be just horror. And two of the biggest horror would be Monster Mania, Days of the Dead, and Texas Frightmare. Spooky Empire is another one. 
But now Comic-Cons have become where you have everything involved there. And it's interesting because in the days we did these films, nobody wanted to wear a mask. Think about that. And here I put a hockey mask on and I thought I was crazy. Well, nobody can see you, CJ. Well, I don't care. I'm getting paid. But then if you take a look at the last 10 years, you look at all these Marvel, DC, and all of a sudden everybody from Arrow to are wearing masks. Think about it. Flash. They all got a mask on now. And wearing a mask is cool. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I think it's interesting how we've gone full circle that wearing a mask is part of being successful when you see some of the DC comic films, the Marvel films, and you kind of go, yeah, I'll wear a mask. <laughs> well, we did it back in the 80s, and we're very fortunate to be here talking about it today in 2020. Yeah, that's excellent. Well, thank you so much, CJ. This was great. And, uh, you know, we sh- I think we'll have this out, what, Friday, Casey? We did a little yep, bit of editing, Friday. color correcting, do the usual thing. And, yeah, this went really, really well, so thank you. No, guys, Bill, Casey, I appreciate your time. I, I really appreciate guys calling me. And, uh, you know, like I always tell people, you know, this is C.J. Graham, Jason Voorhees, Friday the 13th, Part 6. And, hey, this is Deluxe Edition. I love it. Thank you. We could use that. It's Thanks, man. Thank you. That was cool. Hey, do I sound like a rookie? Come on, I know what I'm doing. Ah, you're no rookie at all. That's See, great. Who would who would know Jason could communicate like this, right? <laughs> well, look, guys, Bill, Casey, thank you yeah. for your hospitality, allowing me to be part of your show. Um, well, thank you thank very you, much. Man. Would you right, mind Peace. snapping a photo of the Jason mask? I'd love to see the one on your wall. We can always put that in the film. I'll bring it over here. Hold that thought. Oh, nice. Take it off the wall. Can you all see this? Yeah, How's it's that? got a reflection. But oh wow, oh, yeah. How's that? Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. But yeah, it sits on the wall here. Oh, I got a spear coming down on me. <laughs> well, we're gonna close this out. Got to do it right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, be good. Let's see what we can do to get this in here. <laughs>